0: This is Five-Sided Dice, a podcast for people with a plus-three carpool proficiency. Today we talk about skiing and Dungeons and & Dragons. Have a listen. I'm enchanted. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) So it's uh, winter is slowly, slowly wrapping up, although it was just snowing when I walked my dogs not that long ago. And um, we as a family have been skiing a lot, although my oldest would argue snowboarding. Um, He's the lone snowboarder in our house.
1: Yes, we're a dual lingual family as well dual modal family maybe modal there we dual, go <laughs> uh, yeah we're a, okay we're a dual bodal family as well my husband has gotten both of our older kids into snowboarding and so i'm working on the youngest to become a skier like me i've actually come out of retirement i hadn't skied in i think 18 years oh wow before this year but now that the littlest one is out i guess i had to brush off the old skills I'd say it's like riding a bike, but I never learned how to ride a bike, so I'm not really (laughs) sure, but it did all come back to me.
0: Right. And well, and something that that you have going on there, as we do up here, is we're very lucky to have uh, a ski hill very nearby. Um, Ours is, I think, 12 minutes. I don't think you're much further than that from yours. No, it's
1: just about the same.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, both have lights for night skiing and... um, It's been a really fantastic year for skiing in general and snowboarding. I have to remember that. I get yelled at when I don't. Um, But I want to take a little trip back in time to when I learned to ski and when you learned to ski. Because... (laughs) Oh, my. Um, (laughs) And in particular, we were were chatting about this before. uh, We both learned to ski at places that are no longer ski hills.
1: Yeah, well, there's Uh, a lot of that in New Hampshire. There's a lot of now defunct ski hills Um, in Milford back where behind where the market basket is now. They used to have a little ski hill called Twin Toes, and it's not about toes like on your feet. They were two toe ropes that would bring you up to the top. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, things are a little more complicated now with ski mountains, but well,
0: Right um so i'm going to talk a little bit about the place that i learned to ski which um is in a different country since i did not grow up in the united states or new hampshire um it was a place called ski bellevue in mourn heights quebec which is about an hour ish or so north of montreal up and with all the little other little ski hills there's a couple big ones up there too Um, is there
1: a lot of skiing there must be a lot of skiing out in quebec
0: Uh especially where where we lived, it was it was very prevalent. And all the places up north, uh, you know, the first the first hills you could get to in 45 minutes by car, and they all had nice skiing all the time. And you know, this is oh gosh, over 20 years ago for sure. Um, and so it's big business and it's always busy. But the place that we learned at was the kind of place you know we could afford to ski at. It had two T bars. Um, I think it had three runs total, although I'm sure there was more than that, but there was the green one, the blue one, and the black one, and then there was variations once you got on each one of those. but we spent like every weekend of the winter at this ski hill um one of my um one of my aunts and uncles they uh rented a house that was not too far from there for the winter, and we would just all go up on Friday wake up Saturday morning, go ski all day, go to bed, wake up Sunday, go ski all day and go home. And that's what we did for three months. Um, And so I spent a lot of time with my cousins. um, And that was those were my ski buddies all winter long, which it's pretty happy memories. And I was I don't remember how old I was when I started, but it was before 10 years old for sure.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. You know, around here. And back when I was learning, skiing is so much part of what people do in the winter. That it's a social thing. I kind of, for me, it kind of is re- reminiscent of what I assume CEOs do when they all go golfing together, right? <laughs> if you don't know how to golf, you get left out. And in that same way, in my advisory now, out of 20 kids, probably 15 of them spend a lot of time at the mountain. And uh, it was the same way when I was growing up. I grew up and learned at Temple Mountain, which was literally five minutes from my house. And it was 20 bucks for the day. So my mom could drop me off. This is pre-cell phones. And all my friends, you know, could just call them all up and everybody would show up. And when she was ready to pick me up, she'd just stand at the bottom of the chairlift because this it was a, such a small mountain that I'd be down within 10 minutes. And then she'd just pick me up and I could go home. And I think that's something really nice about that. Uh, even now at our ski mountain, there's – because I teach – in the community, there are so many people who work a second job at the mountain, either in the hospitality part or grooming or running lifts, that there's eyes on my kids or on us all the time. Um, so that feels really good. I can let my oldest go off with her friends, and I know that someone's keeping an eye on her. What I remember about tea bars I, I haven't seen very many of those. They seem to have fallen out of fashion. The ones that we had at Temple Mountain – the ski lift operator would pull it down and put it like under your butt. And then if you fell, it would whip back up to wherever it came from. <laughs> so you were stuck in the middle of the, the T-bar run through the woods and and that was it. So like woe to you if you crossed skis with the other person on the other side of the T bar.
0: Oh it's it's very serious if yeah, you <laughs> you keep your skis in your lane. I remember that as a kid. It was, you know, big time. You had to get that right. Um we at the place we see now, they just put in a T-bar. It wasn't like they got it, you know, secondhand off some other place nearby. And uh it wasn't as busy as I thought it would be, but definitely a lot of the uh the people in lessons and um even some of the ski teams were using it because it was a very short way to get to where they did their practices for uh downhill. So huh. it's it's yeah I uh the we had two different kinds of T-bars when I grew up. There was one that was kind of like a like a metal pole that kind of extended um which I think is kind of the, the most common one um where if if yeah, if you missed, it, would, not only would you be stuck in the middle of the lane, but it would probably also whack you in the back of the head on the way by.
1: For sure, <laughs> as, it, as it retracted up.
0: And then the other one that only ran sometimes when it was really busy, because, you know, why would you need two T-bars when one will do? Um, and this one, it was interesting. It was like a normal T-bar, except it was uh, a rope that was like on a pulley that would come down. So instead of it being a pole going up to the, the cable that's running with the, the you know, up the hill, It was just like a rope that would come down. And so there was a lot more give to it and all this. And I remember there was one uh, lift. I want to say chair, but that's not it. One (laughs) T. One seat. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, And it was the whole one, the whole, that whole T-bar, everything was like wood seats and then all the rest. But then there was one that had an orange handle and black plastic. And we called it the Cadillac because it was the most comfortable.
1: (laughs) We have that, we have the opposite of that on our ski mountain, oh, when, no. our, when our ski mountain got, it's Crouchy Mountain in Bennington, New Hampshire, and at at the 10th anniversary, they put in like an anniversary chair, and it's wooden, and so it doesn't melt the way the other ones do, so it's always completely covered in ice, and it's super, super terrible, and nobody wants it, and the tradition is when it goes by, you have to boo,
0: when it goes by on its way back
1: down the mountain and the children are mortified it's like the worst like ever if you get chair number 10
0: (laughs) chair number 10 yeah we have some chairs at the place we ski now that are fancier than others um we ski at whaleback mountain in enfield new hampshire and there's chair number 48 and i didn't understand this one until this year when my daughter was we we came into line and there was no one behind us which is fairly common at our place and we saw 46 go by she's like dad you got to wait a second i'm like for what like i want to get up and ski right. i don't i don't care <laughs> and here comes chair 48 and so all the chairs are painted like royal blue where we ski and this one is like like a red and blue tiger stripe with all this like someone has really taken the time to deck this thing out and it is is
1: fancy so
0: it looks fancy it also is one of the most comfortable chairs going up so i don't know what it is um but yeah there's a few there's one with paw prints all over it and stuff like that it is very fun
1: so my youngest has been learning how to ski this year and She has macrocephaly, which means literally she has a really big head. And so because she has a big head, her center of gravity is higher than other people's. So she's eligible to work with this part of Crotchet Mountain called Cmars and it's Crotchet Mountain basically rehab, and they do all sorts of adaptive skiing. Okay. Maybe it's – oh, I think it's Crotchet Mountain Adaptive – Recreation, something like that. Okay. And it's, they have, it's amazing. They have all these different kinds of adaptive ski sleds and different contraptions. So all different kinds of people with various mobility can learn to ski at our mountain. So we have a man who's often there at the same day that we have our ski lessons and he has one leg. And that dude can shred. Let me tell you, nice. he is an awesome, awesome skier, and he has a he has one ski, and he sort of sits, so it allows for him to be in a sort of a seated position, and uses poles, so that it's not entirely just him standing on one leg. Um, and th- that's amazing. And they, and all sorts of kids come from all over, and many of them have wheelchairs or. Um, some of them have cerebral palsy. I have a student, actually, who with cerebral palsy who's done ski lessons there. And they're just a wonderful group. They're all volunteers, and they have two teachers. And you get a two-hour lesson, and they make sure that you have a great time. And they have done a really good job with my little daughter, Saturn girl. And <laughs> she uh, she loves it. And she's... Really doing well, and they've actually gotten her up the chairlift a couple times.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yes.
1: But she did fall, um, you know, which is part of learning how to ski. And then she decided that she was allergic to moving. So, so I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not, she's not really a nature girl, she hates nature. So she tells me this on a regular basis. So we'll see. She told me that she would do one group of one up the chairlift, and then she would do one group of three up the bunny hill, and then she would never ski again. So we'll see what well, she will do.
0: That was, that's pretty pretty assertive right there, yeah.
1: <laughs> the girl knows what she wants. You right. know, we have a magic carpet on our bunny hill now. Yeah. Which is a pretty cool thing. It's much better than the rope, toe.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, one of the things I remember from growing up is having my gloves and having the all the inside of my right-handed glove like all ripped up from the just the friction of oh, the toe yeah yep. yeah yeah because that's the one you had to grab with
0: yeah we uh we put the older kids in ski team this year um how they, was that it was really good Uh it's almost done i think i think we have one day left tomorrow and then and that's it all the people that are like super competitive who go off to do the the big crazy things up north and uh now they've they've loved it it was uh two to three days a week for a couple hours uh, during the week it was two hour sessions, but on a weekend it was like nine to two it felt like all day yeah um and they were both fairly uh timid i want to say is the is the word for this where you know they were okay skiing and snowboarding, but they weren't really confident sure and uh it it's the progress they've made just by going out and they ski the entire mountain and they just go and do it. And they have instructors who are, they're also volunteers. The the team is an all volunteer organization. And, uh, and so they're getting out there and just the level of confidence that they all got from, you know, we, we had to phrase it for, uh, for we had to phrase it, as it's kind of like lessons you know it's not a team you don't have to compete if you don't want to which is the atmosphere they they have there anyway um and it's been fantastic and i think they're going to be sad when it's over uh partially because you know it's, it's warming up but also you know the friends they've made through it it's they've been it's been really great for both of them
1: that's awesome
0: yeah it's been great
1: our oldest daughter she is a really good um, snowboarder now and there is something to the cool factor of her as a snowboard girl just shredding down the slope uh, and then our middle kid he used to have some core strength issues so he was just sort of weak in his core and so when he started snowboarding at first he just kept flopping all around so it's really rewarding to see him being able to control the board because that takes a lot of core strength and, and he's getting really good it's clicked for him too so, oh great! So I have these visions that as the kids get older, maybe all five of us <laughs> can actually do this together, you know, or or like those weird years where everyone's an adult but nobody has a significant other that they actually go to the same holiday houses with yet, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, when yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. like in college or getting out of high school and college, and Christmas is kind of lame because there's no kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. And everyone just gives each other socks and stuff like maybe instead of doing that, we could just go somewhere and go skiing for the week.
0: Right. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, we're a little ways off from that. We we had all five of us at the top of the mountain a couple of times, in, in, you know, able to take a picture even, which getting. Five people, three of them children, to sit still long enough to take a picture is, you know, a challenge unto itself.
1: Oh my gosh, even just getting people out the door is a challenge.
0: Well, yes. And so we <laughs> <laughs> We uh when we started out this year, God getting out the door was a process. And you know, we everyone got ski bags, so like their boots and helmets and all the stuff they want to bring to the hill goes in these bags, and we had we've had them since last year. Um and this year after you know many times forgetting things like forgetting gloves <laughs> yeah or forgetting like a neck warmer um fortunately never forgot boots or helmets or you know skis or snowboards or anything like that although I did manage to forget to bring my wife's ski boots and helmet yesterday
1: <laughs> Oh I'm sure she liked that
0: <laughs> So I get all the kids there um and uh oldest is off on the snowboard team and we're just waiting um for for her to come over so we can all ski together and i brought all her clothes to change into and also all this stuff and so she comes in she's like hey how's it going and then she looks down she's like where's my ski bag so, I
1: yeah. <laughs> right
0: exactly like all right i guess we're gonna go home now <laughs> dad
1: trombone
0: right no kidding but yeah it uh i It was a challenge to get everyone out the door um, to the point that I would, you know, for the 15 minute trip over, I would budget an hour. Yeah. Just just to make sure we had time for sitting in the car in the driveway for 15 minutes while I asked everyone if they had their things. And they said, oh, no, we got to run back inside. But by the end of the season, it was we could be like inside 20 minutes and be able to pull it off, which was fantastic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I had to buy everybody a separate set of gloves and hats that were only for snowboarding and that you can't use them for school. You have to find other things like these things are only for snowboarding. Otherwise, they would be like, I know where I have some gloves and they'd steal them, take them to school and lose them. So we had to I had to put my foot down with my son. I had to actually even have a separate pair of snow pants it's just for snowboarding. You may not take any of these things anywhere else. And that goes for me too because that's the, you know, I want to take the easiest path, but then when we go to go snowboarding, everything's missing.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah, we we have that with our youngest. We you know, we had the set for for preschool and then the set for skiing. <laughs> And it, it only in the last week or two have we, we're down to one pair of gloves now. Uh, but fortunately, winter's really in the last couple of days feels like it's on the way out. So I think we made it, you know?
1: <laughs> well, I, that's one of the things that I never realized about being a parent was how much it would impact my executive functioning skills. Like my materials management for other people is so much better. Um, I was going skiing with Saturn girl on Saturday and I was I had everything in the car and all of a sudden I'm like oh where are my snow pants and somewhere in my brain it was like you saw them in the bedroom and I ran up and they were there and I was like this is amazing, amazing. my brain never yes! could have done this 2 children ago <laughs>
0: right right it's 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 like uh you know a, a post regression you're you we're all coming back into you know having our brains working again oh, right man.
1: Is when <laughs> When everything else goes, I will still be able to find gloves.
0: Well, that's something. That'll be the last thing (laughs) that remains of
1: my personality.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not much left, but I can tell you where my gloves and snow pants are. That'll work.
1: Well, you know, my mother used to, when I'd ask her for things and I wouldn't be able to find them, she'd be like, I can't remember exactly, but it's somewhere near a corner under something. And I'd look around and there it would be. And I was like, that is the weirdest thing. But now that I'm a mother, I'll be like, yeah, I know I saw that. And it was sort of under a piece of cloth. And then there it is or something like the I, you You start to pick up where other people's stuff is in the most random way when you're right. responsible
0: for it. Yeah. For us, 99% of the time, it's probably in the van somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you took it off and threw it somewhere and it's now underneath God knows what. And yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh, Dan we Uh, so we went on vacation right and to florida and it was an experience we will never forget and it was great um there was a a lot of family togetherness but you know what the kids loved the most out of the entire thing what's that the stupid minivan
0: they loved (laughs) it so much
1: All they ask is for a minivan now, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!"
0: Just embrace it. Come on,
1: dad and I'm gonna have a minivan.
0: (laughs) I I I didn't fight it too hard. I didn't really have a choice at the time because we had a van and another car. And when I stopped, you know, when I started being the stay-at-home parent, you know, with the kids, I got the big car, right? And and so you know, we had our silver van that eventually succumbed to rust and salt and all the things you know, glorious about our roads up here. And the next thing I got was a van and uh, I guess I got over it.
1: (laughs) Oh man, we had that Kia van, minivan, and it was a beautiful thing. Nobody could touch each other.
0: It's amazing. They were so
1: far, spread out. It was great.
0: Well, and and our oldest, he's old enough to sit in the front row now. So there's oh. three rows and three kids. It's like you know, you can stagger them on either side of the car, and oh, it's beautiful. Uh, it was
1: beautiful, and they all the whole time they just kept saying, "We really want one of these, mommy. When are you going to get us one?" Because they're all crammed at the back of the outback, and it used to yeah. be fine having three across, but it is getting kind of tight
0: well right yeah
1: there's just a lot of touching each other
0: yeah we uh we had that going on earlier this year or i guess in the fall uh where my van was in the shop for an extended period of time and we were driving around in a in a tiny subaru with you know five bodies which which i wouldn't recommend you know and and, you know my wife's car is a little smaller than yours right
1: (laughs) yeah i think i think she and my husband have the same one and more or less and yeah yeah, it's getting crammed back there everybody's getting big so we may be joining you in minivan land soon enough i just gotta think of like a clever license plate
0: that's exactly it yeah or give (laughs) it give it a name or you know something yeah
1: they've already named it they want to call it vanilla ice cream (laughs) <laughs> they want a white van. and they want to call it vanilla ice cream
0: well I'll tell you the only recommendation I will give you is don't get black seats like we have oh yeah oh my gosh <laughs> get something tan where you can't see anything
1: <laughs> that is very wise
0: yeah yeah
1: It's nerd talk time.
0: Yes.
1: All right, so Dan, let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Let's. OK, so what's your experience of Dungeons and Dragons?
0: Lately, not much. Um, I think the first time I'd played recently in decades, I think I could safely say, was uh, New Year's Eve
1: Well, but when um, did at you, your house. Yeah, well, when did you get into Dungeons and Dragons? Was it I at the same was, time you were learning to ski?
0: Uh, it was a little later than that. I was, I think, I was twelve. I'm, I, I've been trying to remember. I know where I was. I remember what the room looked like. I remember the name of my first character. I'll get to that in a second, and like what they did. And it was like this whole thing I'd never really been exposed to, you know, role playing games. And um, yeah, I was, I was twelve. Okay. So
1: I want to hear about your first character.
0: So they were kind of like this. Brute, you know, no magic, just fight, kill, blow everything up, you know, whatever it was. Um, and the character's name, and this is fantastic, uh, was Staniel McManiel. <laughs> I am not making that oh up. Oh
1: my god, I love Staniel McManiel. It,
0: it was in a friend's basement, and it was a character that his older brother had made um and just let me use it to kind of get started um and we did dungeons and dragons for a little bit back then but we moved into different role-playing games um but similar you know it's a it's role-playing games role-playing game the the rules were fairly similar to what dnd is now so but that's that was where i got started we did that and then um i think they're the it's called the palladium universe games after that uh we played TMNT, and then Heroes Unlimited and all that. And that was, we, uh, we used to call it because back then we had to kind of speak in code. So we, no one knew what we were doing. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, we called it the French story cause I was still living in, uh, in Quebec at the time.
1: Well, so what well, I remember a bunch of boys playing it when I was in seventh and eighth grade and being interested, but the boys were really not interested in having us around. So like your wife and I, we didn't ever play. And so I've been getting into it with my students lately. So I'm a total noob uh, at Dungeons and Dragons. And this summer I got really into the Adventure Zone podcast,
0: oh, which love it.
1: is uh, the, another thing that we both love.
0: Yes. Um,
1: but I, for, for the uninitiated, it's a live play D&D podcast and it's hilarious and wonderful and everyone should listen to it, even if they don't play Dungeons and Dragons. But
0: Oh, it's so entertaining.
1: But I mean, (laughs) how many hours? I must have listened to like a hundred hours of other people playing Dungeons & Dragons. So then I had had some kids who played for the last couple of years. And sometimes I would just be in the room as they played because they needed an adult. and, And I would kind of half listen to them messing around. But I went to PAX Unplugged and I heard a panel speak with this guy, Ethan Schoonover, who's out in Washington. And he's like the king of edu D&D Twitter. And they had this panel called Hand to a Sword. And it was all about girls and dungeons and dragons. And I was like, I could do that. So now I'm up to my eyeballs and like spell slots and magical items and adventurers. <laughs> right. Perfect. I have two different groups that are happening at my school. And one is called the Slay Queens. And that's at my all girls group. And then we have an after-school group that is called Heroes Hall, and that has 24
0: kids in it. Oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's really fun. It's mostly 5th and 6th graders, but with a smattering of 7th and 8th graders, too. Good. So, Yeah. So I'll be giving you some updates on them as we go along. But today, I thought we could start out, now that you're sort of a a born-again D&D nerd and and I'm a noob (laughs) that we could we could discuss some of the more interesting monsters and spells that we've found so far
0: fantastic
1: so the first one I wanted to talk to you about is this is kind of on brand given who we are about I I think they're called modrons or modrons okay and they're just geometric shapes with eyes eyes and hands and knives.
0: That's that's terrifying. <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> but they're actually kind of cool. So the simplest ones are spheres, right? So I, they're kind of like a Mike Wazowski feel.
0: Okay. Yep. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and then the more sides you have, the higher ranked you are in the society. And each different kind could only understand the rank above and below it.
0: Interesting, that's so specific.
1: So it's oddly specific. And then, so if one of them dies, then one of the ones with one fewer side, like, is promoted. Okay. So a quadrone becomes a pentadrone. Ooh. Yeah. Is a...
0: That's... (laughs) Wow.
1: Right, I know. <laughs> so that's sort of oddly specific, right? It,
0: it really is the whole, you know, progression of, you know, only knowing your neighbors like that. Right. That's, it's like, I don't even know how someone would think that up is really where I get stuck <laughs> no. on problems like that. And like, I just, uh, what mindset, you know? <laughs>
1: they're, they're unwavering in their devotion to order. And they will complete tasks in the name of law so they're sort of lawful they're just lawful i guess they're not good or evil they're just very lawful they just follow
0: the rules yeah Yeah.
1: that's right they just follow the rules uh but i uh, here's a little math thought if you're more and more higher up in in the modron society or modron society based on how many sides you have ultimately if you were really high up, wouldn't you have a lot of sides and then you'd basically be
0: a sphere? Oh, I don't want to think about that. That's going to give me a headache. Yeah, this is <laughs> right? this is no, this is, you know, I'm going to take this to the next level of nerdery. I mean, this is exactly how calculus starts, if I remember correctly. You know, you do your limits oh, no. and, and then you do integrals <laughs> and this is exactly how it starts. Oh, my
1: God. So, so
0: now I'm really appreciating just how nuts this is. and And I love I love it. <laughs>
1: okay that's that's crazy
0: yeah well that's see that's where my brain goes yeah all
1: right well now we're gonna do a much simpler one this is the flail snail
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay fantastic i love the name let's let's go with this
1: what do you think a flail snail looks like because it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like
0: what it looks like I mean I'm yeah. guessing it looks like a snail I, yeah. I feel like it would be a projectile snail
1: oh that's a good idea but I,
0: I other than that I've I I don't know
1: so instead of eyes you know how snails have four eyes sure there's like maces for eyes
0: oh I I get it now
1: <laughs> so it just like beats you up but it can't see you
0: but so how <laughs> how big is this thing like I, I when I think, of, okay, so like, I mean, snails are usually not that big, so
1: no, it's a giant snail.
0: Okay, so that would be <laughs> so terrifying right now, on its own. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yes. To be fair, I did not specify the size. A normal sized flail snail would just be really adorable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give you but like I, little paper cuts or something. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. I just, I feel like a like. Couldn't you just run away from a flail snail by running?
0: I I feel like yeah you it would certainly have a hard time keeping up.
1: (laughs) Right. I think they must be like more decoration so that you look badass if somebody comes to your like evil tower.
0: Well, I got to tell you, so you've been looking for interesting monsters and creatures while I've been looking for interesting and as it turns out, hilarious spells. Um, You know what? I just lost my train of thought. I'll come back to that later. Okay. It was a good one, too, damn it. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, all right. This This is my... This is a good one. All right. So, if you were to imagine what a thought eater would look like, what do you think a thought eater might... Just imagine in your mind what a, a thought eater monster would look like. <laughs>
0: This is going to be a very specific thing. It's going to look like the dog from the Despicable Me movies, the one that hangs out with Gru, just eating on your head.
1: Okay, yeah, like just chopping,
0: chopping your brain off. I don't know.
1: Yeah, all right, but
0: it looks it looks ugly like that with teeth.
1: (laughs) Well, so for me, I would think it would be like a squid or an octopus or something, right? That like maybe sits on your head or maybe like. Did you ever see that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation when they all had those, like, bugs in their spine that were in their brain?
0: Oh, I don't remember that, but they had bugs in their brains in Star Trek long before then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, so, like, that's kind of what I was thinking about. No. Okay, the Thought Eater, it's basically like a skeletal platypus, a floating skeletal platypus.
0: And that's it. And that's it. Wow. That's, <laughs> it, that's disappointing.
1: Well, and it floats around and it has to eat, it has to like steal psionic energy from you because it's from the ethereal plane. And so it okay. has to like eat your thoughts to keep its wispy flesh together. Oh,
0: I got it. Okay.
1: But it, I mean, it looks like if you imagine a really, really skinny, like skeletally thin platypus floating around in the air, that's what it looks like. Amazing. I think that Right. Kind of disappointing. Right. Okay. But the two other ones that I wanted to tell you about, this one, I can't decide if I love it or not. It's called the wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay. It's a monster. Yes. It does not look like a wolf or a sheep. It looks like a stump. Like it's... The part of it that comes out of the ground is a stump, and it has all its tentacles under the ground, and it kills a small animal, and then it makes the animal dance on the stump with its, like, (laughs) tendrils, and then when you come over to be like, what the hell is that squirrel doing the Macarena for? It eats you. Wow. I think I've come down on the side of I love it.
0: That... I just, with all of these, I just really am appreciating just the kind of, like, mind it would take to come up with this. (laughs) And that's fantastic.
1: A wolf in sheep's clothing is usually four to five feet across and weighs 200 pounds.
0: Well... I can make squirrels do the (laughs) Macarena.
1: By putting the corpse of a creature on top of its stump and riddling the body with filaments, the wolf in sheep's clothing can manipulate the corpse like a puppet in order to lure a prey within range of the wolf in sheep's clothing's tentacles and bite attacks. All right, then. (laughs) (laughs) I I do have to tell you, in looking up some of these, I'm like, I'm definitely using this. Oh, of course. (laughs) I'm definitely putting this one in. So I think the one that people give a really hard time to online, for good measure, uh, for for good reason, is the mauler. Okay. Okay. So if you imagine a flower, except that instead of the flower petals, it's all legs. All lion's legs. There's five lion's legs. And then in the middle, there's a lion's face, but on both sides. So it's like almost like a wheel okay and it just rolls around (laughs) it just rolls around like it's mauling things with its legs (laughs) (laughs) like it just rolls sideways like a crab (laughs) 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 like i just can't get over it like i just imagine it in my mind like just rolling like a tumbleweed down the just down the lane
0: this is so This one, I'm laughing in my head on this because I'm thinking about, you know, we we mentioned uh, the Adventure Zone podcast a little earlier. And I'm just thinking about, like, having them go through something like that on their show because they're all laughing and, you know, cursing up a storm anyway. And I just I can hear their voices in my head. I've listened to a lot of hours as well. And uh, just I can't imagine a DM having this monster in a game and being right. able to keep any sort of straight face. I mean,
1: right? <laughs> and just, uh, there are just so many questions about it. Like, how does it sleep? <laughs> or like, poop? You know, like it just has two heads on both sides and a bunch of legs. It's, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Slash wonderful.
0: Yes, I'm sure some details were left off. <laughs>
1: A roving mauler rolls into combat and never stops moving. Although it can stand in place and fight, it prefers to tumble over its foes, reeking with its claws as it goes. If a fight goes poorly, a roving mauler can tumble away to heal and then return to finish the combat. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just... Like, come on. It's like a lion flower. It's... It's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: wow i i i don't even know what to say like i really don't
1: That's <laughs> oh, it's the best one yet
0: that's amazing
1: yeah so those are some of the good ones um people give a lot of crap to the duck bunny because there's this duck bunny monster um we are definitely using duck bunnies in our campaign right now excellent they're exactly what you think they are <laughs> <sighs> So we're gonna we're gonna see if the children, uh, if the Slay Queens can defeat a bunch of Duck Buddies at the in our next sessions.
0: <laughs> awesome. So I have a few interesting tidbits from the land of spells and cantrips.
1: Okay, I'm ready. Um,
0: and i'm I've just pulled up a few websites that I you know, they were so good off the bat that I didn't have to look very far. Right. <laughs> Um and the first one, and um I'm, I'm almost certain that your husband used this spell over New Year's.
1: <laughs> I would expect nothing less.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um it is a bard only spell called Vicious Mockery. And I have to tell you i've had this page open as we've been talking for the last 10 minutes or so and it's literally a picture of john cleese up on top of the castle in monty python and the holy grail oh, no, as yes. the frenchman in the castle <laughs> and like I, it's it's on this this gif that's on a loop and i've just been giggling the whole time to myself so this um spell essentially allows you to insult your enemies to death it actually (laughs) causes psychic damage 1d4 psychic damage
1: oh i will taunt you a second time
0: (laughs) so at the end of this little paragraph i I found this one on geek and sundry which makes perfect sense um it's "It's ridiculous and awesome ridiculously awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think think he did use that spell
0: (laughs) i remember he did a lot of uh he was playing his loot. I remember a lot of the time, and yeah, that was we embellished the details a bit on that one. But yeah, uh, mocking someone to cause damage is vicious mockery. And yeah, that oh my gosh, this little <sighs> gift that's on a loop is just killing me right now.
1: Oh, I love that. It reminds me of. Uh, have you ever played Gloom?
0: I I don't know that one.
1: Oh man, Gloom is one of my favorite games, tabletop games, and. It's the concept, it's very Edward Gorey. It's all these like cutesy black and white Victorian-y pictures. Um, but they're a little off and all the cards are see-through. And the idea is that you you put them on top of each other and you're you have a family and you're trying to make them as sad as possible and then make them die. <laughs> but but hilariously.
0: Wow. <laughs> I mean,
1: no, but, it, but it's hilarious because it'll be like um was pecked by penguins or something and like so they lose twenty like self-esteem and then then it's like found love at the lake and then they get ten points or whatever. And so you're telling the story about like bad things that happen to them and all the bad things that happen are kind of hilarious. So it's so and so it's things like that. Right. It's really great. Oh man. Being able to taunt someone to death is, I think, every middle schooler's worst nightmare.
0: Right. Being
1: taunted right. to death.
0: <laughs> so I have a couple more. Okay. Um I think I have three more. I, there's a few that I've been like going back and forth, whether I even want to talk about them. But this one, this one caught my eye. I found this one on Gizmodo. Uh, basket trick. Have you heard of this one?
1: Oh. No. Mm, can I guess? Sure. Do you put yourself in a basket?
0: Uh, yes, but there's more to it than that.
1: And then do you like disappear or something?
0: So, you do. So, I know um, I've definitely heard of the uh, the spell blink, where you pop, right. pop to the ethereal plane and then come back. Right. Um, gives you a chance to move around and teleporting, blah blah blah. Basket trip is blink, except you don't get to choose where you move, but instead pop back into into the physical in a random nearby basket. <laughs>
1: that's so amazing
0: not only is this a basket specific teleport spell you don't even get to pick the basket
1: oh my gosh that's so good
0: so it's like yeah
1: what if there's no basket well
0: i guess you can't use it at that point I, I...
1: or do you just teleport somewhere to wherever the nearest basket is
0: i mean i guess that could be it that seems like that would not be very helpful
1: no I, it doesn't so
0: so in looking up the uh, spells and cantrips that are kind of bordering on the absurd they kind of fell into two camps there's the ones that are like so funny that you have to have them like vicious mockery you know you can cause and then there's basket trick which is in the category of spells where why would you take up a spell slot (laughs) like why would you do that when you could just put blink there you know and do the same thing um and that i i saw several come up in that where it was like a very specific version of an otherwise uh, called a common spell like one that many people have talked about and used it just cracks me up
1: (laughs) there's that rope one too that's kind of like that where a rope comes down from like a pocket dimension yeah that you can climb up it yes that seems more useful than basket trick although
0: a random basket i I do do
1: actually really love that idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay here's Here's another one for you. Okay. It's called Banish Dazzle.
1: Whoa. Banish Dazzle? Yes. I don't know, but if it doesn't involve a lot of glitter, I might be disappointed. I don't know. I have no I mean, I like I just imagine someone like throwing a bunch of glitter in your face and you disappear.
0: That would be fun. And that would be much cooler than what I'm (laughs) (laughs) about to tell you. (laughs) All right. So this is also on Gizmodo. It says once the spell was cast, the target could see clearly through blinding sunlight and heat shimmer. Reflected sunlight from mirror has no effect on the target and they were immune from being blinded by light spells.
1: Oh, it's banishing the dazzle.
0: Oh, okay, so I didn't say oh, it right. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's like it's like
0: banishing having your eyes dazzled. So Oh, that's not,
1: that's not nearly as cool as a banished dazzle.
0: <laughs> yeah so the last the last sentence in this little paragraph they wrote i've left off says so uh sunglasses basically <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes. so right. you could yes i uh, i think it would be much better if it was there was more to the dazzle
1: yes or uh, like if you became extremely dazzling yes or or anyone who was too dazzling to look at got banished right Mm, i've missed opportunity right with that name
0: and i have one more for you okay glibness
1: oh
0: as in glib but glibness right now this one says it is it's a 5e spell but it's not the same as it was in the third edition okay Um, and the third edition one was apparently nuts so Um, do you have any thoughts?
1: (laughs) I, I don't know. So. Does it have something, it must have something to do with charisma. Oh, yes.
0: So it's a bard only spell, a spell like the vicious mockery (laughs) one. So we're already in this like weird space and, you know, casting this spell nets you a plus 30, plus 30 bonus on bluff checks for 10 minutes per level. Whoa. The die only has 20 sides. Right so that's hilarious
1: if you were like all in on being able to bluff your way through everything that like would it's, be it's yeah. a
0: guaranteed bluff and if you're yeah even if you're at like level six you could cast a spell and bluff your way through whatever you wanted for an hour <laughs> that is hilarious which it's 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 very interesting i i read it and i was like it's not that crazy except that it's a plus 30 which makes no sense um and and i haven't looked it up uh in the fifth edition yet but i imagine that's been rolled back a little bit because that just seems kind of silly because yeah plus 30 you don't even have to roll
1: (laughs) that's crazy oh man well i will keep my eye out for more crazy animals and i want to tell you that the thing that my students are the most excited about right now is that they found, um, an animate doorstop. So it's like a little doorstop creature Okay, and they have fallen in love with it. It has one eye on the top and it has little legs that stick out the side and they've named it Dorito. Aww. Yeah, so they're undergoing a uh, a whole adventure right now, so that they can take possession of Dorito and it can become their pet. <laughs> <laughs> the lady at the potion shop told them they could keep Dorito as a pet if they went and got her ingredients for her potions at her house. So, so that's that's what the children have are really being motivated by right now.
0: I was gonna say it's interesting to see, yeah, what is the motivation? Like what what do they want to get out of it? Pets. You know, pets. Yeah. All pets. Yes. Well they don't have to, you know, take them out at night. So right, exactly. you know in the game it's much easier, right? Yeah. Yes. They want lots
1: of pets. <laughs> yeah. They all have pets and all of their families are dead
0: that's wow if that isn't middle school i don't know what
1: is (laughs) and they all just want to look nice they're all like extremely attractive people who have dead families and a lot of pets (laughs) 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 middle school fantasy
0: yeah uh, that sounds about right doesn't it (laughs) yeah